How do you cultivate and grow greatness in others? That's part of today's conversation with my friend Sonny Leinenbarger as we dive into empathy, leadership, and how to evoke greatness within your team. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Competitors, Jake Thompson here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and so excited you get to meet my LinkedIn and real-life friend, Sunny Leinbarger, as we dive into her career in healthcare, what developed over the years in terms of the skills she built from a leadership standpoint and the passion she had to pour into others, and what are things that we can take away today to better cultivate cultures within our organizations, whether we're the person at the top or the person in the middle just trying to make an impact on those right around us. Sunny brings a ton of great wisdom, and we jam out on that. Business, life, what are you reading, and a whole lot more that you want to stick around and join today's show for. As we dive into the show, I want to encourage you to join our Morning Motivation Club. It's free, it's easy, and one of the best ways to start your day stronger. And all you got to do is text the word LEAD, L-E-A-D, to 972-945-9113. Not only does that opt you into the Morning Motivation Club, but that puts you in our leadership community where you'll get one to two text questions, ideas every week around leadership to chew on, to ask questions back, to use, to implement, to get better so you can make a bigger impact. So all you got to do is text the word LEAD, L-E-A-D, to 972-945-9113. And you'll be hearing from me soon. Now, let's get into today's show. Let's welcome Sonny. All right, Sonny. My turn to interview you. Looking forward to this after I had a chance to be on your incredible Evoke Greatness podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you. Uh, Are you, do you have any nerves about being on the hot seat going from, I know you you obviously host your show. You have some phenomenal interviews. Any any nerves about today? No, I don't think so. I have uh, grown accustomed. I'm up to 50 episodes now. So I've got, kind of grown, grown accustomed to uh, just having these types of conversations. And I find that they're organic and flowing. And so no, no, no nerves. <laughs> well, what I, what I love about what you just said there is what we talked about offline before this, which was really the idea of, of planting seeds every day. And, you know, when you're doing stuff like that in podcasts, especially as I talked to somebody earlier today, you know, most people start it and they maybe get to five, a few more get to 10 or 20, uh, few are getting to 50 or more. And then obviously just scaling up from there, because it's, it's that idea of how do you do just a little bit of work every day without that immediate outcome, that immediate reward. And so for you, how do you stay focused on the process and investing in the process in what I would say is a society so obsessed with outcomes only? 
Yeah. I think it is getting to a place where you are willing to suck at something. You know, you are willing to not be the, the star or the greatest at it initially out of the gates. And that was really how I went into starting my podcast and really how into a lot of things that you do for the very first time is you have to be willing to show up as you are with the knowledge that you have, the experience that you have, and then put in the reps and it's putting in the hours, the mastery. And so I knew that episode one was probably going to be pretty bad. <laughs> and so you have to have the courage to still hit start and still hit publish, uh, even though, you know, it's going to be bad. And then my thought to myself and how I justified it was episode 10 going to be a whole heck of a lot better than one and episode 20 going to be way better than episode 10. So if you can apply that to whatever, you know, whether it's podcasting or stepping outside of that comfort zone of something that you're not a, an expert in, I think that's how you gain the reps. hundred percent, hundred percent. So what I want to do right now would be great is to introduce our audience to you a little bit. You have a large successful history in healthcare and now doing executive coaching, leadership development, coaching, Take me back to the beginning of what inspired you going into the healthcare industry and what about it still is a big passion point for you. Yeah. I, uh, so interest, I had an interesting entree into healthcare, which was, I started out at like the very bottom of the rung as a CNA, which is a certified nursing assistant. Never really was that, that girl who like dreamed of being a nurse. Um, I had majored in psychology and my mom said, Hey, how about you go in and kind of just get this backup plan? You're going to have to have a lot of education under your belt to kind of really do something with psychology. And so go do this plan B just so you, you have something. And I was like, no, nah, no, thank you. <laughs> she goes, well, how about I pay for the class? I was like, oh, done. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so went into it and, uh, it, it was one of those divine points of my path, uh, because it was something that I absolutely fell in love with. And why that was is because at the end of the day, when I would go in and see patients, I may go into the worst facilities there possibly were, the kind where you just think, how does someone's family member, how does somebody's loved one live here? It, it smells, the care is not great. You know, all these things that are just that like would detract someone from going in and working there. And my commitment was, how do I go in here? and leave this one person or these five people that I'm taking care of better than I found them. And so that was really kind of my entree into healthcare was how do I, how do I make a situation that may not be the best situation a little bit better? And so I'm, I'm curious about something about that yeah. right there, mainly because when I think about that, I think about the emotional toll it mm -hmm. has not only on the families of the residents there, but on the staff that get to know people. Right. The, I'm curious one, how you, I wouldn't say compartmentalize, uh, cause I'm not sure that's the right word, but how did you manage that additional stress that, you know, we have stresses and, and things that fray at us mentally in, in corporate America, but not quite to the life and death sense of this. Sure. So how did you early on manage that process mentally and has it helped you in terms of the work you're doing now? Yeah, I think it is. I've always been incredibly empathetic, really, really empathetic. That's just been a part of my nature. So really, you would have thought that I would have grown up wanting to be a nurse, but I didn't. Uh, I remember when we moved here to Arizona, this is just an example of it. I was not used to this kind of heat. And we were from a very small town in New Mexico and, and it, it got hot there, but it wasn't like this craziness. And we get here in the summer. And we're driving and I see all these homeless people and I was not eight and a half, maybe. 
And I'm thinking, how do these people live on the streets out here? First of all, I hadn't really been exposed to the homeless population, but how do they live on the streets of Phoenix in the dead of summer when it's 120 degrees? Yeah. And so I told my mom, I said, you have to turn the air conditioner off. She's like, what? I said, you have to turn the air conditioner off. We have to roll the windows down. She's like, why? I said, we don't deserve to be in the cool air if they can't be. And, and so I think that empathy has really come with me, you know, throughout the years and throughout the growth of my career. And so that empathy was a piece of, I just really wanted to, I wanted to do something good for somebody else. It wasn't all you, you go into circumstances and situations where it may not be like the best day, but if I could leave that one person a little bit better, if I could leave those five people, even if I could leave that staff that I worked with there that day, a little bit better, like that was just what it was about. It was the, it was the condition of my heart. How, cause I know I, I'm going to jump forward and we'll go back, mm -hmm. but I know there's a lot of talk and trends lately on this idea of empathy for leadership. And we know yes. the important, the importance of it. There's still a struggle to get buy-in, I would imagine, for that. Talk to me a little bit, one, about why it's so important for leaders to have empathy. And second, how can we encourage the cultivation of it, especially from those who seem pretty stubborn on the idea? Yeah, I. Uh, so I think, I think a good, healthy culture is made up of empathy within leadership because it's got to come from the top down. You yeah. can have pockets of empathy or pockets of good culture throughout a company that doesn't equate to a good culture overall. And so uh, one of the things that I was really blessed to work amongst was the team that I worked with at Bristol. Just about everybody on there had an incredible sense of empathy from the executive team perspective. So it was like from the top down. But the reason for that is most of them had been CNAs. You don't find that very often where someone has really kind of been in the trenches and, and done the hardest of the jobs with the least recognition and the least amount of pay. And I think when you, when you have experienced that firsthand, you, you, you lead a business and you lead a culture differently. And so what, what I see, especially in the healthcare fields, I see a lot of leadership teams made up of, of people with a business degree. And I think when you have not been kind of personally impacted by whether it be hospice, you know, having a loved one go on hospice, when you have not been personally impacted by a loss of some sort in that capacity, I think it makes it a little more difficult to really feel and understand what your people are feeling. But I think when you can show up in a way, which is I, what makes up a good culture, when you understand the position that your people, whatever role that they're in, are being put in each and every day, and you hold space for that, and you acknowledge it, and you respect it, I think that is when people show up to work excited. I think that's when people show up wanting to be their best self and provide the best care, you know, in healthcare for their patients. But I think there's a, there's a, a distinct difference there. If you've not been personally impacted or, uh, you know, even, and, and it doesn't mean your, your own family it doesn't mean your own, you know, loved ones, but maybe you've been out in the field. Maybe you go out and do ride alongs. Maybe you have gone into those nursing homes as a leader. It's there's something that has to personally impact your heart in order for you to show up in that way. 
Well, and that that really plays into the idea, you know, we I've talked about here on the show just from coaches interviewing like sports coaches of the idea of you've got to get to a player's heart before you can get to their head. Right. And for them getting buy-in from the team is like it's it's about that personal connection and relationship. And and a lot of what you're saying as well is that same of even if you haven't gone through that, are you doing the right alongs? Are you connecting with the people? Let me ask along those lines, because I know you've had experience in a ton of roles in this space, and I would imagine a lot with healthcare, similar to some of the other industries I've had a chance to work in, where you've got people that that want to initiate this change. They've got the empathy. They've got a drive to be a leader, but they're not at the top. They're kind of in the middle. And up above them, there's not that same push for leadership and growth and development. And so for a lot of them, they're kind of floundering. Like they have the opportunity, they're trying to sharpen the skills, but they feel like the same, it's got to come from the top and be led. But for those leaders within companies where it's not led from the top, how do you encourage or how do you see them being able to impact those around them or their teams, even if it's almost separate from the rest of the organization? Yeah, I think as a leader, and that doesn't even mean by title, right? As a leader, which is which is any person in a company who shows up and can really portray characteristics that can create the betterment of the entire team that they're on or the patient caseload that they have or the organization that they're in. I think when you can show up and lead people, sometimes that's that's quietly, you know, sometimes that is, but all, all of it is a ripple effect. And I think when you are able to show up in a way where you are supporting the people around you, where you have a sense of understanding around what is fundamentally important, especially as a leader that has a team, if you understand what makes your people tick, what motivates them, what demotivates them, what makes them thrive, you can create an environment, even if it's just a pocket, even if you're that one pocket inside of an organization, that if you can inspire and motivate and improve performances and outcomes within your team, everybody they touch is going to be positively impacted. And so that there is the opportunity for a ripple effect and you can't necessarily change what's going on above you. Always you can lead by example. And I think that has a lot of power in it. Um, but if you can impact that one part of the company that you're in, the opportunity of the ripple effect will continue. And, and I heard somebody say something, actually I had somebody on my podcast recently who talked about leaders leading who aren't yet leaders. And so it's again, not by title, but he said, you have to learn to lead East and West first, right? Then you have to lead, learn to lead North, which is yourself. Then you have to learn to lead South, which is other people. And I, I, I was, I thought that was so profound so I want to poke at that for a minute because I'm yeah. fascinated by the order. I was fascinated that the East and West is before the North. Yes. So well, talk to me about that yeah. because I would always say the foundation is leading yourself before you can lead others, but that's flipped of like leading horizontally before yourself. Talk to me about that concept because obviously it sounds like you're yeah. in a depth conversation and I'll get the link to that, put yeah. in our show notes so we can send people over for more of it. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to give credit where credit is due. So I was, I was talking with Cord Sachs, who is the CEO of Fire Seeds and Wild Spark. Um, and he was talking about how, uh, how an intern specifically, right? So this person isn't paid. This person has come and shown up doing work, but this person came to him, requested time on his schedule, came to him and he said, you know, what do I need to do to lead people? 
And so he was talking about somebody without a title, somebody without maybe a whole lot of influence. If you can learn to lead those around you when you get no credit, when you don't have a title, when you're not getting paid for it, you can learn to lead those around you then. I think that probably uh, forms you and how you lead as your North, right? And yep. then- so I, so I think that's what makes up. I think that's what he was referring to is when you can lead those around you without any benefit, that helps form who you are as a leader. And then that helps grow how you lead others. Uh, well, as I'll say, that process leads you from a standpoint of learning to develop without ego. Right. Because if, especially if you're not getting the reward and the recognition, that's right. it's all about the pursuit of excellence and really cultivating excellence in others, which is helpful. Right. Um, I'm curious uh, from a standpoint, I know we've, we've kind of bounced all over the place. You're doing executive coaching. Now you're doing leadership consulting as well. You spent years in the corporate space. You're now kind of out on your own. How do you, or how are you intentionally focusing on cultivating your growth and development? outside of that structure where you had a team, where you had a lot of people you were working with and touch points every single day. And now you're on that entrepreneurial journey that so many of us know so well. So how are you keeping your skills sharp and really continuing to learn in that new environment? Yeah, well, a little bit of context. So for the last almost four years previously to stepping into this entrepreneurial journey, I was with a company that was a multi-hundred million dollar top line revenue producing company. I was the chief operating officer, had 2,500 people throughout the company in 20 plus states and was having the time of my life. And the biggest piece of that was growing people. That has always been a passion for me. And I think that's probably because I started my career at that very bottom rung of the ladder and people poured into me over the years. And so as I stepped away and decided to, to take the plunge into starting my own company with Evoke Greatness, that was something that I really wanted to intersect was the things that I have an incredible skill set for, which is the operations, finance, sales, the dynamics of growing and scaling a business. And kind of that's the complex thing, right? And then the real passion lies in the people. And so developing, growing figuring out what pain points are for people, helping them unpack some of the junk along the way. You know, I think as we are learning in our roles and growing, sometimes we bring along stuff with us, whether it be, you know, from childhood, from a terrible boss, whatever it is. And when you can start to peel back those layers and see, uh, you know, for, for me, for instance, working with some executives that I work with, I typically work with like that senior, senior and executive level, um, seeing somebody who's been in their career for 10, 15 years, be able to peel back layers and have these light bulb moments of needing to adjust how they do what they do just a little bit and watching their performance and their outcomes grow as a result, watching them change something personally that positively impacts their, uh, change something professionally that positively impacts their personal life and vice versa. And so I think it's really, um, it's that intersect between, you know, good skill set and, and passion. And if you can build a business out of that, which is what I've done, um, man, it really, really makes for something meaningful. Yeah, I, I would say so. And, and so tell me, does a lot of your work still revolve around that healthcare space or have you kind of branched out into a bunch of other uh, industries as well? 
Yeah. Because I've been in the industry for 20 plus years, a lot of my, you know, Rolodex and my network is made up of healthcare executives. Um, but it's not just limited to healthcare executives. And so it's really about those high performing leaders, high-performing people who want to get to that next level. You know, how can I achieve my peak performance? How can I achieve X, Y, and Z outcome? Um, or how can I make a leap from one role to another role, maybe one industry to another industry? And so it's become more expansive, but I would say, you know, probably a good portion of it is still within the healthcare space because of my past experience. I love it. Okay. So I'm going to switch gears because your background as we laughed before air has changed since last time. Yes. Uh, but similar to mine, there's a lot of books on shelves. That's uh, right. <laughs> what are you currently reading and diving into? Yeah. So I have, um, I'm currently reading, oh gosh, I have three that I just got. One of them is, um, you're making me blank now. Goodness gracious. It's okay. It happens to me when I get put on the spot too. Yeah. So, I, dare, so <laughs> I'm, glad I have, I'm not the only one. Yeah. I've got three here. So dare to lead like a girl. Um, I'm part of a, a high performance group and the author is actually a member of our group. And so okay. um, I have Viola Davis is finding me. Okay. And then the last one is Julia Borstein. And that is when women lead. So those awesome. are the three that are, that I, I am, I have a hard time reading just one book at a time because I get anxious. I clearly, I like books as you do. Yeah. Uh, and I'll order three, I'll order four. And then I'm like, Oh, where do I start? And so then I'm like, this one is my office book. This one, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I was having that conversation. Cause obviously I haven't gotten to all of these behind me, sure. but I have one that is, I have to evaluate it tricky. So like at night, it can be fiction, it can be faith, or it can be a, a leadership book that I'm not trying to pull a bunch out of, more studies and stuff, uh, because otherwise my brain starts running and I can't go to sleep. Like right. it doesn't even matter if I write it down. So like morning time, it's like a different book of like, okay, this is work-related, prime the thoughts or something I want to study mm -hmm. for that same reason. Be interested about the Viola Davis one. I absolutely loved her performance in Fences, her and Denzel. And just remember walking out of that thinking like, this is a awesome one act play, but it was obviously a film. Right. I'm like, I kind of would love to have seen the two of them in person on like a Broadway stage perform right. it because of how strong their roles were. So um, very cool. Okay. So this book club, uh, you don't have to spill all the beans, but how did y'all come together on it? Um, and how do y'all, how often are y'all reading a new book? Yeah. So it's called the outlier project and it is, um, it's really filled with a bunch of outliers, you know? And so the, the kind of the coin term is anything, but anyone can be ordinary. Um, and so Scott McGregor started this, he is a, a author as well and has in, an incredible network of people. And so we have these legend series where authors of books come on. They're a part of this group. We get to have super engaging conversations and, uh, and it's a phenomenal group of people that I get a whole lot out of. It's that, it's that iron sharpen, sharpens iron mentality. Love it. And I, as you just told me that I'm like, I hundred percent know why I've heard of that now. So shout out to, uh, Kevin Carey, who is, uh, Mountain Movers, 1720 podcast, dear friend. He'll be on the podcast later this year for anybody listening. I saw it when he got tagged on uh, LinkedIn. I was like, I've heard of this outlier project before. Yes. And I could not place of where it was. And sure enough, it was when uh, when Kevin got in and he was running an announcement around it. So very cool and small world. Yes, indeed. 
Super. Okay. So you have that. I know we share a coach because we both believe in the importance of continuing to look, to grow and develop. What about just life outside of work? What do you do to keep yourself sharp and learning beyond your professional network, your coach, or your actual clients? Yeah. So I think, uh, I think morning routine is super important and that's where I get my cup filled every morning. Um, I make sure that I carve out time when, when kind of the rest of the world is still asleep, kids are still asleep. The house isn't buzzing yet. Um, and I am just filling up I'm my spiritual cup. And so I do devotional and read some scripture in the morning and, and really set my intentions for the day. I usually go out and get a hike in. I happen to live in Arizona and, and we're surrounded by amazing, beautiful mountains and our, our weather is pretty good about, you know, 10 months out of the year. And so I'm usually taking a hike in, in the morning. Um, and then I think, you know, then it's the rest of the day and, and life is filled with work and clients and then getting kids off to football practice and getting dinner done and, you know, just all the other things that we do. Um, but I really, I seek, uh, so much fulfillment in just being outdoors, getting some exercise in, getting my mind clear, getting my body moving. I, uh, so the, obviously you're Scottsdale area, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, right now, obviously those not listening, we're recording this on February 9th. The Super Bowl is upcoming Sunday in Glendale and the waste management open is happening right now. So it is like sports Mecca in the Phoenix area and the guys on the radio, the local sports talk that we listened to, were laughing about hiking. I think it's echo Mm -hmm. up there. And just the, (laughs) challenge that it was that they were not prepared for uh and just the pure amazement of how many people and kids and everything and they're like this is not an easy hike like this is not like a a hike this is like workout (laughs) and so I laugh when I hear people that live out there and they're like oh yeah we went for a hike we did this or that and then listening to the guys this morning from Dallas which is the concrete jungle of like oh man we're dying out there (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is uh, buzzing right now in in the valley. Um, we have waste management open. My husband happens to be there right now. Uh, we have got the Super Bowl this weekend, and then we have spring training. It's about and oh, spring yeah. training goes through to the end of April. So from yep. from about a week ago until the end of April, there is. I mean, it's it's great because it brings lots to our community, and, yeah. and we certainly appreciate that. Um, we're not going to the Super Bowl. My kids were super disappointed. I was like, I'm sorry. Do you have an extra six? Or fifteen thousand dollars per ticket, and they're like, "What?" They could not like, believe the price. Not a game. It is a giant social event. Yeah, oh, we. Yeah, it, it is. It was <laughs> when I was growing up a bucket list to go to the Super Bowl, and then as I got older, I was like, "No." And I, I had one shot when my wife and I had just gotten married. Carolina made it, and it was in San Fran, and we were. I was looking at flights, and it was going to be tough window, and we were leaving like the next day or so for our honeymoon Mm -hmm. and she's like if you don't make it i'm going without you and i'm like yeah i can't go can't go can't go but yeah no spring training out there is so much fun i've been a couple times seeing baseball friends and agents and it's just a cool experience that i can't explain because i'm like it's major league but it's like bull durham like it's literally you're there right in the stands talking to folks and so that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a very that's a, cool experience. Your kids, I'm sure get to go partake in and see games. Yeah. That's a great uh, comparison. It is. It's um, it's major league players and yet it's like a hometown team almost, you know, and there's multiple different fields you can go 
to, we typically go to one and we've been going since our boys were tiny. And so we do lawn seats, you know, yep. you don't have to spend a ton of money and literally you stand over kind of where the bullpen is. And so they're able to throw balls down and get them signed and throw back up. It's, it's just an absolutely fantastic time that we've loved for years and years. Love it. Yeah. It's for those listening, it's, it's major league teams, but it's not like the major league stadiums. It's like minor right. league stadiums. Like I think about our one here in Frisco with the rough riders and it's like going to that just out there and, and you get to see a lot and, and gr- obviously the weather there is perfect mm-hmm. this time of year. Yeah. So um glad it's not in the summer. That would yes. be a little bit different watching that outdoor baseball. Right. <laughs> well, Sonny, this has been an absolute blast. Thanks for jamming a little bit on the episode today. For those interested in learning more about your coaching and work, where's the best place to get connected? Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm have a big presence on LinkedIn. So feel free to check me out and connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can check everything out on my website, which is evokegreatness.com. Find out more information there. Happy to set up a call, uh, or a meeting for anybody who is interested in finding out more. And otherwise, um, got an Instagram page as well for evoke greatness, lots of podcast, uh, snippets there. And then on Apple, you on all podcast platforms, but primarily, uh, on Apple is evoke greatness podcast. So I got to ask for those listening, they're like evoke greatness. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So uh, it's funny as I was putting off for about a year, wanting to start a podcast because, you know, with those things, again, that we're not experienced in, we like pump the brakes on actually pulling the trigger on. And I was trying to find a name. And so I came through all these names and greatness. So I wanted to be a part of it. The whole idea behind it is sharing the journey to greatness and sharing the lessons and the ups and downs and all the skinned knees along the way. But evoke is actually calling something from up within. And so, you know, it's the idea is calling that greatness from within. Love it. Love it. I, I, uh, I was about to say, I've heard it said a few ways of like revealing it or calling it out. And so I was always curious, kind of that I, I had a good feeling based on every interaction with you. And so wanted you to have a chance to share it with our listeners, but Sunny, thanks so much for coming on the show this week. Uh, Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.